0: You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back
1: better make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just fine. minds are convinced they should be led i've gotta be free the way god made men and i won't be ruled by the damn you went taking your right to self-defense they say you're safe, but they don't make sense dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. always ask me more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell hey pay. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned
0: Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And man, oh man, it's stuff just going on. I know, I say that a lot here lately, but uh, needless to say... I haven't been wrong when I've said that so far. Uh Right now, big news on the world stage, as once again we see how pitiful, lame, pathetic that barely there Beijing Biden really is on the world stage. Number one, we have in fact seen the U.S. take out one of the top people uh, working in Al-Qaeda, uh, the De facto leader of Al Qaeda after the death of a certain well-known uh, individual by the name of Bin Laden, and uh, it's it's all high fives at the White House, except the White House really did nothing. Biden gave the go ahead, so hey, okay, congratulations on that. But at the end of the day, it's our military personnel that are capable of utilizing the zone. Uh, the drone technology that was able to take out this guy, al Zarahari, I believe is the enunciation there. Uh, he was uh, Bin Laden's number one guy, uh, his chief lieutenant uh, when he was around. Uh, he was supposedly the actual mastermind of 9-11. And, uh, you know, it's it's good that this really bad guy is no longer on the planet. Uh, it is bad that the White House should uh, even try to take any credit for this because they really did nothing. This was a no-brainer. This wasn't some brave and bold move. This wasn't some swift, decisive action. This is, what, a nearly 20-year manhunt that's been going on, and, okay, we finally found our guy. Now, again, total props to our uh, guys that were controlling the uh, the drone here because managed to take this guy out with... As far as human beings, other lives, zero collateral damage. So that really says a lot about our capabilities when we're on point. And again, full on uh, props, kudos, whatever uh, needs to go there. Uh, I applaud the work of our military in this instance. And I'll even give some level of props to the intelligence operators, uh, folks over at the CIA, for verifying that this was the guy and for uh, getting the intel where it needed to be. But at the end of the day, my analysis on this is the same as a lot of other people's analysis, including several Democrats and media talking heads. And and I hate to be somewhat redundant in that statement. We know that there is a certain amount of redundancy there. But uh, even some of the folks on the left are calling this out. Uh, it just proves... What our pullout in Afghanistan, in the way our pullout from Afghanistan was orchestrated, um, navigated, completely—there's uh, there's no adequate words really to say how horribly bad it was, and trying to find some diplomatic term just makes makes my head hurt and. It makes my tongue feel like it's burning, you know? <laughs> so, uh, let's stop being uh, diplomatic and call it what it was. It was a complete and total guano show. Okay, I have to make sure that we're still radio approved. Uh, and clearly it was. Okay, there's, there's no doubt about it. Nobody, uh, not even people working in the Biden administration, once you get them behind closed doors, uh, can even pretend or continue to pretend that this was somehow well done, well orchestrated, well planned, well uh, executed. None of that uh, occurred. But the biggest fallout is obvious from the fact that uh, this... Uh, al Zarahari was even in Afghanistan. Because remember, we were told, we were promised that uh, Joe Biden wouldn't allow Afghanistan to become a safe haven for terrorists anymore. Now, that was a vow that was broken almost immediately. Uh, You can ask the folks in Pakistan in regards to the uptick in terrorist uh, attacks on them that were coming from across the Afghan border, where the orchestrators were clearly seeking and gaining refuge in Afghanistan, thanks to the Taliban. This guy uh, being there also means that uh, al-Qaeda is doing the same thing. Al-Qaeda is growing strong again, and they're able to do so hiding out under the protective umbrella of the Taliban. The Taliban has broken the agreement they made with Biden for the withdrawal. Will there be any repercussions? Nope, nope. They're just going to continue to high-five one another and pretend like this is some big win. And it's anything but, guys. It really is because you don't have to be an expert in terrorism or national security to understand. There's a big takeaway here. Wasn't that we got him, but that he was there. He was in Kabul, the the capital. He was living in a, a place that was owned by one of the major uh, top administrative governmental Taliban people. <sighs> I mean, he might as well have been living in an ambassador's uh, appointment. I mean, this is roughly the equivalent. This guy's death, he, we, we shouldn't be celebrating it because it shouldn't have been this easy. This guy should have still been hiding out in a cave somewhere. But no, living's easy in Afghanistan right now if you're a terrorist, especially a terrorist that has targeted the United States or any other Western nation. The killing of this guy, it's going to be sold to you. It's going to be packaged. We're going to be told that it was a huge counterterrorism success, which they're already doing. But it's simply a narrative designed to hide the undeniable truth that the Taliban-controlled Afghanistan is, in fact, a safe haven for al-Qaeda and others. The strike that killed this guy It's the first since the U.S. withdrew. Um, U.S. saved best for first is something I heard someone say. Made the first counterterrorism strike count. Okay, well, it was a biggie. Yeah. But again, so what? We took out one guy. Al-Qaeda is about like the Hydra. You know, you take out one head, two more... Uh, show up in its place. So it's not like Al-Qaeda has been hurt. It's not like the Taliban is going to be all that scared that suddenly they're going to expect a full-blown re-engagement from the United States military because Joe Biden's too busy trying to stumble our way into a continuing issue with uh, Russia. And uh, we've got Nancy Pelosi almost starting a uh, full-blown military interaction with China. Yeah, yeah in case you hadn't heard, uh, today, time of the live broadcast being Tuesday, uh, August the 2nd. So if you're hearing this on rebroadcast, yesterday, you know, it was the whole, would she, will she, is she gonna? And then we got full word that, in fact, Nancy Pelosi did indeed uh, visit Taiwan. Now, I'm not against Nancy Pelosi visiting Taiwan, and I certainly don't think that we should be bullied about or let China tell us where and when we're going to send people to, other than, of course, official state visits with mainland China proper. In those cases, uh, they do have a certain amount of say on who they receive and when they receive them and where they receive them. I really wouldn't recommend any of our government going there Period. But Taiwan, for all the bluster and all the nondescript, noncommittal, one-China policy uh, BS, Taiwan has, for all intents and purposes, been a separate and independent country since the revolution failed to take control of Of Taiwan at the same time the rest of mainland China fell. They may have or may not have been officially recognized. It didn't matter. They've been operating autonomously. And in order to take Taiwan and force them back into the fold as being part of China proper, it's going to take military action from China. They're prepared to do that. But here's the big thing. Once official news broke that Nancy Pelosi had set foot in Taiwan, China initially, uh, immediately uh, made the statement that they're going to be launching targeted military operations with the intent to encircle Taiwan. Communist China will, in fact, launch military operations encircling Taiwan in response to the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's landing on Tuesday on the island. Pelosi is, in fact, the first speaker to visit Taiwan since Newt Gingrich back in 1997. And, of course, Taiwan is an island of China falsely, I'm going to say, they falsely claim that it's their territory, which, of course, has sparked China's military to be put on high alert. Quoting here, from Pelosi herself, Our congressional delegation's visit to Taiwan honors America's unwavering commitment to supporting Taiwan's vibrant democracy. Our visit is part of our broader trip to the Indo-Pacific, including Singapore, Malaysia, South Korea, and Japan. Focused on mutual security, economic partnership, and democratic governance. Now, when she starts talking about economic security, it makes sense that she is concerned about economic security because her husband has got a huge amount of investment in computer chips, the high-dollar computer chips, the ones that are being made in Taiwan. Now I myself actually do own a little bit of stock in one of the uh, companies that operates out of Taiwan, one of the cutting-edge uh, computer chip manufacturers, but I do not have a major holding in it and I'm fearful have been for a while of increasing my holding. I like it because it has a decent dividend. But I'm fearful of increasing my holdings, my shares of the, the company, because I don't know what China's going to do. I do know that Joe Biden is pretty much in the bag for China. So here's one of the few occasions where you literally have Biden who has a certain amount of Fail, fealty to China, or at least it certainly seems to. He seems to be beholden more to China than to the United States of America, that's for sure. I don't know if it's because of all these uh, Hunter uh, deals. I don't know if it's because they've managed to have uh, blackmail material. I, I don't know if it's just because... Joe thinks there's more money in the future for the Biden crime family after he leaves office and will need uh, retirement income in order to continue to live in the fashion he's become accustomed to. I don't know what the motivation is, but I do know that if you set back and look, he's been so soft on China that it just continues to make it even more absurd when you hear uh, everybody talk about how trump was just too easy on certain people and when he was much much firmer as far as our official policies when it comes to russia or china way firmer but nancy pelosi she has a vested financial interest on taiwan staying right the way it is so i really think That, given the White House didn't seem to want Nancy to go there, and Nancy seemed determined to do so, may have a lot more to do with her personal concern. And again, it would fit because uh, these are people that do not really put the American people first. If you did, you'd have to walk a much finer line. There's no reason to appear weak to the Chinese, but there's also no reason to openly court military engagement either. Uh, an actual hot shooting war is not something that we should desire, especially with a nuclear power, uh, with a uh, sizable military uh, and enough stolen technology from us that they probably have some pretty good countermeasures to our Uh, technologically advanced military capabilities. I mean, we are head and shoulders above their capabilities, but they have stolen so much of our intellectual property, uh, they, at the very least, should be able to counter a lot of what we can do, stuff that we probably don't even know that they know we can do, because their spies are just that good. So, yes, it's interesting that Nancy made a point of Uh, mentioning the mutual economic partnership as much as anything. That was probably a little bit of of a self-tell. But the main story here is that China's defense ministry, it said immediately that it is launching uh, what it said, quote, targeted military operations. Targeted military operations in response to Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. Now, separately... A spokesperson for the Eastern Theater Command said in a different statement, This action is targeted at the U.S.'s shocking, recent, major escalation on the Taiwan issue and serves as a serious warning to Taiwanese independence forces or those seeking independence. Hey, at Newsflash, guys, I know over there in mainland China, you have to you have to carry the water for the CCP, that you have to carry the party line, that you have to, to just absolutely seem as if you believe every bit of it. But is there actually anybody in China, other than the CCP, who just wants the economic uh, plus of having Taiwan in the fold, that actually believes Taiwan is not already independent has not been independent for a long time now now china did give nancy pelosi some time to get on out of dodge and get the rest of the us out of the way too because they said they're going to uh they're going to start this military operation they're going to launch it on august the 4th now, at the time of the broadcast that means in 2 days if you're listening on terrestrial radio that means tomorrow because you're hearing this on the 3rd they're going to launch this on August the 4th in six areas that encircle the island. Now, the Washington Post published an op-ed from Pelosi shortly after she landed on the island explaining her reason for going. Now, let's see if this tracks. Pelosi noted that under the Taiwan Relations Act, the U.S. vowed to support defending Taiwan and that the act said that the U.S. would consider any effort to determine the future of Taiwan by other than peaceful means a threat to the peace and security of the western Pacific area and of grave concern to the United States. So she's using flowery language to basically say technically we're not fully committed as to what exactly we're going to do but we promise we'll take it seriously. That's really all that actually means. Now, taking it seriously under, uh, say, a Ronald Reagan, I think looks very, very different than taking it seriously under a Joe Biden. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I really, even though uh, Joe, he he has talked tough on the Taiwan issue several times. In fact, he's basically said that he's changed the policy <laughs> by claiming that, oh, yes, that's what we've committed to uh, when asked about utilizing military force to protect Taiwan. Uh, obviously, the handlers back in the White House walked that back quickly quickly. Uh, all three times that he said it publicly, and uh, word has it that uh, he said it a few more times in the non public domain, and that it's also had to be walked back then. Nancy, of course, continued. She said, Today, America must remember that vow. We must stand by Taiwan, which is an island of resilience. In recent years, Beijing has dramatically intensified tensions with Taiwan. The People's Republic of China has ramped up patrols of bombers, fighter jets, and surveillance aircraft near and even over Taiwan's air defense zone, leading the U.S. Defense Department to conclude that China's army is likely preparing for a contingency to unify Taiwan, with the PRC by force. Now, again, uh, she's not telling us anything we don't already know. This is just Nancy actually acknowledging it. And when somebody as high up in the National Democratic Party as Nancy Pelosi is, starts actually telling the truth about a communist country, then that means that their personal interests are at play. So I'm circling back around to the fact that uh, through her husband, the Pelosi family is heavily invested in the uh, Taiwan industry of building computer chips. Nancy continued, of course, saying that the uh, the PRC—that's the People's Republic of China—for those of you who uh, heard me just switch over to the acronym and not not just work that acronym. Okay, so the PRC has also taken the fight into cyberspace, launching scores of attacks on Taiwan's governmental agencies each day. At the same time, Beijing is squeezing Taiwan economically, pressuring global corporations to cut ties with the island, intimidating countries that cooperate with Taiwan, and clamping down on tourism from the PRC. Pelosi then added, in the face of the Chinese Communist Party's accelerating aggression. Our congressional delegation's visit should be seen as an unequivocal statement that America stands with Taiwan, our democratic partner, as it defends itself and its freedom. So, yeah, that's a thing that actually happened. Nancy Pelosi once again trying to sound like she's a reasonable defender of liberty or something. When, in fact, it's pretty clear, there just might be a little conflict of interest. There just might be a little financial incentive, specifically for Nancy, which would also explain why she was so willing to defy the will of the White House. Because uh, the Biden handlers, and that's what I'm going to just have to start calling them, because it's not really Biden or his policy, it is his handler's policy. those folks that are running things over the White House and go out and tell Joe what his policy actually is. they wanted desperately for Nancy Pelosi not to make this trip, and once it was announced that she was going to, they tried to backtrack it, they tried to downplay it, and they have done everything they can uh, today, basically out there publicly begging, "Oh, China, please don't be mad, please don't be mad, please don't be mad, uh guys. How about we project a little strength? Not enough to actually trigger open conflict, maybe, but project some strength. Like, you know, um, yeah, we heard what you said, but you know what? We have a relationship with Taiwan, and we're going to continue to have that relationship with Taiwan. And then if you want to take aggressive measures towards us, uh, then there will be a heavy price to pay. And again, I'm not wanting conflict. But I do tend to think that we've seen what happens both with Vladimir over in Russia and I think uh, Xi Jinping over in China. We we have seen under previous administrations that if you come forward from a position of strength, you don't have to be insulting You don't have to be overly kind, and you don't have to try to bludgeon them, but if you just come from a position of strength like, all right, look, you know what your strengths are, you know what our strengths are, and you know if it comes to open conflict, we're probably going to beat you. You have the capability of making it hurt, but at the end of the day, even if you could find a way to win, It's going to hurt you pretty bad, too. Is that really what you want to do? Now, the answer, of course, in China's case is yes, that's actually really what they want to do. But they're not quite ready yet. So rather than them bully us off because they see Joe Biden as being weak. In fact, we got that assessment that came out today, too, from uh, Barack Obama's ambassador to China. Uh, he came out and he said, yes, it's clear cut that even during the Obama administration that uh, China made it quite clear that they thought Joe Biden was a joke. And that every indication through the uh, the channels, these back channels that uh, the diplomats utilize, that uh, they now see him for being the incompetent uh, dolt that he is. That they think of him as even a bigger joke. So, I mean, at at what point do we have to say this is a disaster? Uh, It seems like we've been saying this for a while. And I would like to remind everybody, uh, especially if you happen to be a leftist that just accidentally stumbled upon the show right about now. Maybe you're passing through Utah and picked up uh, Utah's talk authority That's the case. Maybe you just need to hear. A lot of folks, like myself, were warning you what it would be like if you picked Joe in the first place. And here we are Al Qaeda's reconstituting and growing strong in Afghanistan. Other terrorist organizations have found a safe haven thanks to the Taliban. And Joe Biden wants to give himself a high five because he managed to take one player off the board. An important player, don't get me wrong. But not something that he deserves a high-five on, period. And Nancy, in the name of freedom, is just trying to protect her heavy investments. Man, you gotta love American politics, right? Let's take that mid-hour break before it gets any further down the road. And, uh, you know, I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere, guys.
2: I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth.
1: Right here, right here.
2: The United States is under greater threat today than the colonists were from King George. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook being brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, King George wanted to maintain British control over the colonies and imposed a 3% tax upon the colonists along with other restrictions. But when one observes our dilemma today, the much greater enemies from within are seeking to literally destroy every good aspect of our republic. The enemies from within clearly understand that without a high moral standard, our blessings of liberty and the recognition of our inalienable rights would diminish to the point that we would be saddled with a mob rule democracy that is guaranteed to implode another chaotic onslaught of Marxist, Leninist, dogmatic demoralization and increasing domination. The stealing of our wealth through unconstitutional maneuverings and legal edicts by the government is part of the overall diabolical plans to turn the United States into literally a third-world nation of powerless, defeated Americans that no longer impede their globalist endeavors. My fellow sovereign Americans, it is time to send the Declaration of Independence to the rogue federal government. What say you? I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. I, I do not view abortion as a, uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best. Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase. And to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Our Constitution is a document in which we the people tell the government what it is allowed to do. We the people are free. Just a song before I go, to
1: whom it may concern, it's easy to get burned.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. Before we get back into the action though, I want to try and uh, see if I can't confuse you a little bit. Because usually when I'm talking to you about being prepared for disaster, being ready, I'm normally talking about My Patriot Supply, which by the way, I would still love for you to follow uh, one of my links to My Patriot Supply if you want to go check out it. Please do what you need to do to go get prepared. But I'm going to talk about something that is called the Blue 72 Kit right now. Yes, emergency 72-hour kits in your hands, ready to pick up and go. It's the perfect grab-and-go solution for all your emergency needs, whether it's a pandemic, an earthquake, a tornado, a hurricane, a power outage, a blizzard. Or you know a little bit of all that all wrapped up into one uh, you know like the Biden administration uh, natural disasters and also natural disasters well this is in fact a must-have for every person each kit is designed to provide the essentials for one person to use for a 72-hour time period uh, need multiple kits go. Be sure to check out uh, the family packs that are also available, and get a twenty-five percent discount on that, uh, so you can buy them by groups of four. Uh, I just what what are we talking about here? Blue seventy-two? Are you picking up on it? Yeah, I am not talking about my Patriot Supply. I am talking about Blue Coolers here, boys and girls. Ordinarily, when I am telling you about Blue Coolers, I am talking about get your ten-day ice at half the price. Super Coolers, best bang for your buck. But they also have this available, and you know what? Why you follow the link to the uh, the Blue Seventy Two kits, which the link I'm going to put in the show description today will definitely take you there. While you're there, go ahead and check out some of the coolers, because guess what? In an emergency emergency situation, maybe ten days ice would be something vital for you to have while you're bugging out. If you need these kits, and Uh, Say that uh, maybe you don't need 10-day ice. Maybe you're okay with 5-day ice at a fraction of the price. Then you're looking at Blue Cooler's Cobalt line, uh, brand new for uh, 2022. Uh, Just check out everything they got. But the link that I'm going to put in the show description today will take you directly to the 72, the Blue 72 page on the website. So uh, follow the link. That way, they know that I'm the one that sent you. And if you're listening on terrestrial radio, so you don't have a link in front of you for you to click. So, uh, yeah, I get that. Tell you what, come visit me over at Tap Into the Truth a little later. That's T A P P Into the Truth, all one word. dot com. Scroll down past recent guests on that homepage where you land, and you will see banners for Blue Coolers. You'll see banners for my Patriot Supply, you'll see banners for Hero Soap, uh, for Built Bar, uh, for all kinds of folks. Click on any one of those, click a ba- banner, click a button. It will take you magically to your best option to make those purchases. And from there, they'll still know that I sent you. And that way, uh, you turn a win-win, you getting a great product, them getting a great new customer. That's you, by the way. And then that extra win comes in where I get a small, tiny little commission, and it's just just a little tiny commission, just a little piece of the action, and it goes to help to support the show. And man, right now, I tell you what, we all can use a little bit of help, so uh, you know, if you're going to make a purchase like that anyway, uh, small ask, just please, you know, uh, use one of my links. Also want to remind everybody that AJ Rice's brand new book, The Woking Dead, is out and available. And as of yesterday, guys, it had hit number one on the new releases list and was still climbing. So, uh, gonna ask you guys one more time, go over, pick up a copy and, uh, maybe two or three copies, cause maybe you know some other people that need it and, uh, you know, help move The Woking Dead, from number one on new releases to number one in politics. And from there, number one overall, because this book is definitely good enough to be there. All right, Uh, let's get back to the show now. Um, Interesting story. And, And here's kind of an, I saw a few folks talking about this. And then it seems like a lot of people just kind of sidestepped it, didn't want to talk about it. And then some of the folks that were talking about it initially have kind of went quiet about it. And this, of course, involves spooky dude George Soros. Seeing the backlash across the United States against all these woke city district attorneys that uh, he's helped finance, including the ouster of the ultra-left San Francisco DA, uh, Bolden, that happened just this past July, George Soros, indifferent to America's concerns, vowed to continue supporting them with his vast fortune. The Capital Research Center reported back in January that since 2016, their researchers tracked over $29 million in funding from Soros through a personal network of political action committees formed specifically to back left-wing DA candidates. Now, these are the folks that are claiming to be... uh, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I, I hate it when I'm here live and can't come up with a word. Uh, the folks that are looking to reimagine law enforcement. They're looking to create these fixes to the problem that really what they're fixing isn't the problem. The fixes they're putting in place is the problem. If there's no disincentive to commit crime, crime's going to get worse. People are starting to notice that even in Democratic-controlled areas where these people have voted for these type of policing for a long time, they're starting to realize that when there's absolutely zero, when they have uh, this effort to just turn criminals loose in the name of reform, which, by the way, that was the word that was on the tip of my tongue and I couldn't get out a second ago, in the name of reform, all they're doing is just turning criminals loose, uh, particularly the more violent, more dangerous ones, Uh, then guess what? Folks start to realize maybe those aren't the kind of DAs we want. George, George Soros actually wrote an op-ed piece the other day where he was defending his ideology and says that he'd plan on continuing. Quoting here from uh, Soros's little opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal, he said, quote, I have supported the election, and more recently the re-election, of prosecutors who support reform. I have done it transparently, and I have no intention of stopping. Now, again, they're using words that mean something different than what they're actually using the for, because this isn't reform. Reform means that you're fixing something. There's a broken system, and you're fixing it. What George Soros is doing by funding these particular district attorneys is they're taking a system that may not work perfectly, certainly would be legitimate to describe it as a broken system in some cases, and they're just completely tearing it apart as opposed to trying to fix it. You can't just dismantle it because he's not trying to build anything back afterwards. I mean, sometimes, if you're talking about a building, for example, you do get to a point where it's just so far gone. The only way to salvage the property is to just tear down what's there and put something new entirely in its place. That's not what they're trying to do here. They're just trying to tear it down and leave nothing but wreckage and destruction in its place. He says that he has supported election and re-election He has no intention of stopping. That tells you that even though when you look at the numbers, you see the increases of crime, particularly violent crime, in each and one of these areas where he gets one of these people elected and they get to go about their reforms. When you see these numbers and you choose to ignore them or, in this case, choose to embrace them and want more. And why shouldn't he? Because... It doesn't affect him. He's not living in any of these cities where he's managed to get reform in place. Soros continued with his little op-ed, though, saying our system is rife with injustices that make us all less safe. The idea that we need to choose between justice and safety is false. See, this is how you know George Soros may actually be Satan. Because this is exactly what Satan does. He takes some true statements, peppers it in with the lies that he's telling, and makes the whole thing seem more believable. I mean, it sounds true. This system that we have, it is rife with injustice. And in fact, the very nature of an innocent until proven guilty mentality The very nature of due process means that you're going to have a lot of wiggle room for guilty people to find their way uh, to get off the hook to. The very nature of the allowance of circumstantial evidence to build a case means that there's going to be occasions where circumstantial evidence is going to point its finger wrongly at some people. Now, this, of course, is... Part of that injustice that the system is just rife with. But it's still preferable to some of the alternatives that are out there. I'd still take our system with all of its flaws over, I don't know, say China or Russia. In fact, you can ask a certain WNBA basketball player by the name of uh, Brittany Grimes about how the legal system in Russia works and whether she'd rather be here or there. You know, assuming that she ever gets to combat. Word has it that on the DL, the negotiations are still ongoing to free the merchant of death in exchange. A freaking prisoner transfer. We're giving up one of the world's worst terrorists and definitely one of the world's most prolific gun runners uh, in exchange for a WNBA basketball player. An American citizen who should not be detained. I, I do not think so. I do not believe what has transpired is congruent with the drug charges that may be appropriate. She pled guilty to them. There's still some question as to whether she really understood what she was pleading to in in that instance. Uh, More evidence that their system, far worse than ours. But, but this is dangerous conversation here. And this is what George Soros is particularly good at, by the way. He's very good at putting out just the right thing to say to the audience. People that he's trying to reach. And uh, also to try to get a large number of people caught up in that net who aren't really his audience, but aren't paying enough attention to know that George Soros is the spooky dude. So let me say that again. Our system, quoting one more time, our system is rife with injustices that make us all less safe. The idea that we need to choose between justice and safety is false. Now, it's kind of funny that the injustices that are occurring as a result of the reform policies that he's helping to push is actually what's making most of us feel unsafe. But he's right, we don't have to choose between justice and safety. In fact, normally, when you choose justice, safety is a result. Many people who would be criminals typically tend to avoid criminal activity if they know that justice will occur. If there's actual deterrence, if there's a price to pay that one might deem to be too high of a price to pay for whatever the reward of the criminal activity might be. Soros, of course, insisted that, uh, quote, Some politicians and pundits have tried to blame recent spikes in crime on the policies of reform-minded prosecutors. Uh, The research I've seen says otherwise. I'd like to know what that research is there, George. Because the statistics that I've seen say that uh, you're lying. Now, maybe you have some research uh, that was done through dubious means that you obviously paid for yourself and said, here's what I wanted to say. Here's the check. You can cash the check if your uh, research says exactly what I wanted to say. You know, that's the kind of thing that happens in George Soros' world. The research I've seen says, otherwise. yeah, I don't know if he really is just trying to quote some bogus uh, stuff that he commissioned, or if he's just flat out lying there. But I haven't seen any legitimate research. I haven't seen any bad research that suggests that this isn't an uptick that is, at the very least, exacerbated by the so-called reform-minded prosecutors. Hey, yeah, we just brought you in. Uh, you just tried to run over your baby mama uh, with your vehicle. Okay, you're free to go. What? 24 hours later you're driving through a Christmas parade and mowing down white people because you're a racist who just doesn't like white people? Well, who could have seen that coming? <laughs> In fact, I'm going to say that there's some statistics that were compiled by the New York Post of some of the most famous leftist DAs, all Democrats, by the way, and the rise in crime in their jurisdictions. Recently deposed uh, Bolden in San Francisco. Violent crimes up 4% year-to-date. Property crimes up 8.2% year-to-date. Total crime rate up 7.8% year-to-date. Alvin Bragg over in Manhattan, major crime rate up 43.2% year-to-date. Did you hit 432 Statistically speaking, if you're a person on the street, that's not going to matter much between that number and just 50%. You're literally at 150% where you were a year ago. Yeah, that that's purely coincidence, I'm sure. Uh, George Gaston in Los Angeles, violent crimes up 7.7%. Year to date, property crimes up 13.3 percent year to date. Total crime rate up 11.9 percent year to date. Kim Fox in Chicago. We we talk a lot about Kim Fox, haven't we? Major crime rate there up 34 percent year to date. Uh, Larry Kranzner, Philadelphia. Violent crimes up 6.3 percent. Property crimes up 27.1 percent. Total crime rate up 22.2%. Uh, of course, all those year to date. Uh, Kevin Hayden up in Boston. Uh, violent crimes up 4.4%. So he's doing a little better than some of them. Property crimes up 4.8%. Total crime rate up 4.7% year to date. No, no, no. That's not a causal thing. It's just coincidental. It, it, it's. Uh, well, What's the phrase here? Uh, Coalational, but not causal. Yeah, they're, they're happening at the same time, but it's not because of each other. I'm going to beg to differ, because here's the great thing that you can hold up to anybody who says this isn't causal and state that nearly half of the crime that has increased would not have occurred if they had just detained the criminals who committed the crime from the previous crime they had committed, in many cases, as often as less than 24 hours previous. I mean, seriously, if they had held these people, as long as they are legally permitted to do, at least a third of the crimes that we're talking about in all of those cities wouldn't have happened, at least would not have happened in the same time frame. So there still would have been a reduction just based on less time to go commit the crimes. (laughs) That's not funny. It's pretty sad. Now, the denial of how leftist policies have led to the rise in crime is not restricted to George Soros. He's funding it. He doesn't want you to know that he is the enemy who's trying to destroy the country with all of his world ill-begotten gains, his wealth, I say worldly wealth because he's managed to take advantage of all kinds of situations all around the world. We saw Gaston, who faces a potential recall. He received nearly $3 million in campaign funds from Soros. He was asked by news anchors to to critics calling him a soft on crime DNA While his city has been blitzed by an 8.6% rise in violent crimes over the past year, he answered the question that that he believed Los Angeles was safer under his tenure, claiming that, yeah, in some areas it is, I know how to keep communities safe. I know how to keep communities safe. I'm not going to do any of those things, but I know how to keep... (laughs) uh, You know, guys, I'm sorry. When it comes to Gaston and and what's going on out in California, you kind of get what you pay for, right? And in this case, uh, elections have consequences, and you put these people in place, and and when they tell you what they're going to do when they're running, hey, we're going to put these crazy reforms where we're going to defund the police and we're going to, we're going to actually going to handcuff the police and let the criminals just walk on in to whatever stores they want to, and smash and grab, and guess what? You ain't even got to smash anything, but you can. You know, it's very therapeutic. I recommend you take something heavy and just start smashing stuff uh on your way out. You know, steal what you're going to steal. Don't risk damaging that, but then just smash some stuff you don't want to take so nobody else can legally purchase something, and then scratch your head and wonder why certain stores are closing and not moving into your city. They're actually moving out. Yeah, I, it's just... How could you imagine such a thing? Clearly, whoever is making those decisions must be racist. Even though the decision to close down a store where you can't make a profit is typically an economic decision. The fact that there is no police protection against the criminal activity, uh, gee, um, why would that make you want to leave town? I, I just don't I don't understand. It's just crazy stuff, crazy stuff. <sighs> George Soros has no intention of stopping supporting these type of DAs all across the country. So right now. If you live in an area where the DAs are running for election, one of the best things that uh, the current campaign finance law requires is that you can see who's making contributions to all the candidates. Do the research. See who's contributing, and if you see any packed Or companies or individuals that are just in George Soros' circle. You know what kind of guy that dude is. And dude is a gender fluid term, by the way. So it can be a dude. uh, uh, It can be a chick. But dude is a dude regardless if a dude's a chick. Right? Okay. Got it? Uh, I'm sure some leftist right now perfectly understands what I'm saying. But I got lost. Anyway... Do the the research check and see if there is any ties whatsoever to a George Soros-related thing. Um, Say bye-bye to that guy. Make sure not only that you don't vote for him, but make sure that none of your friends and none of your family vote for him. Let all all those dollars be wasted. I mean, uh, I would be so happy. If George Soros suddenly went broke. Trying to make all this happen. And it still just didn't. See he's not going to stay broke. If he was to spend all of his money. Making it happen. And then the results was exactly what he wanted. Because he will get. His return on investment. Alright that's going to be it. For the first hour. So if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio. I have to say goodbye for today. But be sure to tune in again tomorrow. At the same time. And you'll get to hear hour number two of tonight's broadcast. If you're listening to the podcast, don't go anywhere. I'll continue right after this very brief break, where I am going to reset the hour, and uh, before I go, though, uh, Joe? This is Tim Town. Let's go,
1: so much more from so much less Now they can say when They can say how, and they can say why.
0: You're listening to Tap into the Truth.
1: America. The USA is in a crucial stage. Gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safe, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. All the unions always ask for more is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've got to be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damned.
0: Samuel. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. With all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp. And I am coming to you from lovely, beautiful, scenic, and historic Roan County, Tennessee, And we had a great day today. Uh, First day that the sun actually shined for the whole day in at least two weeks. And, of course, you know what that meant. Time to mow the lawn. Uh, In fact, it was past time. But it was been way too wet to actually do it. The only upside was the fact that the neighbors couldn't either. So (laughs) it didn't look quite so bad uh, since uh everybody uh, surrounding me actually was a little bit higher. So, you know, we actually still look like we were the better. Uh, in line. Uh, crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Hey, talking about crazy stuff. Uh, things just continue to happen, right? Spent some time back in the first hour. This, of course, for the benefit of those of you listening on terrestrial radio. This is the second hour of a two-hour live broadcast that occurred on August the 2nd of 2022. We talked a little bit about the killing of the top guy in Al-Qaeda and how the fact that that happened in Kabul, Afghanistan, was actually more of a loss for the Biden uh, policy, especially when it comes to the world stage. shows that, once again, our withdrawal from Afghanistan not only was botched and butchered, but also is going to lead to the butchering of a lot of innocent lives because terrorism is building its strength quietly, hiding in the shadows. It's, if you were a, a Lord of the Rings kind of guy, uh, you can think of Afghanistan as being Mordor at this point. The uh, deep, dark threat is growing. We also talked a little bit about China's big threat since Nancy Pelosi decided to drop on into Taiwan. We'll see how things play out. Uh, they claim to be encircling the island starting on the 4th, which, by the way, that means that uh, that would be today if you're listening on terrestrial radio, because that's when the second hour is most likely going to be aired on all the stations that carry it. But uh, there's there's more to do. We talked a little bit about George Soros and uh, how he defiantly declared he's going to continue to support these reform-minded DAs across the country. In essence, he's going to continue to fund crime growing worse and worse all throughout the country, and why not? Yeah, I mean, seriously, why not? Uh, it's fun for him. He's going to do what he wants to do. Well, on the topic of DAs and judicial activities and justice... Let's take a look at the newest debacle from the Department of Justice. And that, of course, is the fact that the Department of Justice has officially sued the state of Idaho that occurred on Tuesday over its near-universal ban on abortions, the first lawsuit of its kind since the Supreme Court ended Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs versus Jackson decision. Attorney General Merrick Garland hero to the left, the man who should have been on the court himself. He announced the lawsuit in a press conference on Tuesday afternoon. The Biden administration's chief prosecutor claimed that the Idaho law illegally restricts access to abortion in some cases where the life of the mother is at risk. Quote, If a patient comes into the emergency room with a medical emergency jeopardizing the patient's life or health, hospitals must provide the treatment necessary to stabilize that patient. This, of course, is a quote from Garland. This includes abortion when that is the necessity, when that is the necessary treatment. Now, the Idaho law is actually set to take effect later this month. It bans all abortions except where the life of the mother is in danger, rape, and incest. Though the state law has an exception for abortion if the life of the mother is in danger, the Justice Department's lawsuit says the exception is too narrow and runs the risk of forcing doctors to violate federal law. Uh, Really? I think this is a stretch, but hey. Back to quoting uh, this from the lawsuit. The state of Idaho, however, has passed a near-absolute ban on abortion. Once the Idaho law takes effect on August 25th of 2022, Idaho Code 18622 will make it a to perform an abortion in all but extremely narrow circumstances. The Idaho law would make it a criminal offense for doctors to comply with Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act, you know, requirements for this law, uh, to provide stabilizing treatment, even where the doctor determines that abortion is is the medical treatment necessary to prevent a patient from suffering severe health risk, or even death? Governor Brad Little, happens to be a Republican, said that the lawsuits amounted to federal meddling. Now, this is their effort to get involved in the state's newly secured authority to set abortion law. Biden continues to ignore issues that really should demand his attention like crushing inflation and the open border with Mexico. Idaho Attorney General Lawrence Weston issued a separate statement saying that the federal government is misinterpreting federal law to find conflict where none exist. I kind of like that response, actually, especially when you know that's the kind of argument they're going to get in court, and that's the kind of argument that actually tends to win. Anyway... Uh, quoting here, contrary to the carefully edited assertions in paragraph 25 of the Department's complaint that Idaho's laws are preempted, the EMTALA actually states, the provisions of this section do not preempt any state or local law requirement, except to the extent that the requirement directly conflicts with a requirement of this section. Again, more legalese from Weston. Instead of complying with the requirements of this provision and uh, reconciling Idaho's law with the EMTALA, or even attempting to engage Idaho in a meaningful dialogue on the issue, the federal government has chosen to waste taxpayer dollars on an unnecessary lawsuit. Now, the Supreme Court, in fact, did overturn Roe v. Wade uh, during its ruling with the, the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization that the Constitutional Authority is set limits on abortion procedures and it pretty much rests with the state's. I don't know why we always have a little refresher there, <laughs> just a little reminder that that is in fact what happened when uh, Roe v. Wade was downed, but I guess it never hurts to remind folks, you know, especially in case somebody's new to the show, maybe hasn't been paying attention to politics. maybe maybe like a lot of leftists, still believes that when the Supreme Court overturned Roe Way that that just made abortion illegal everywhere. And there's just some brave blue states out there that's defying this illegality, this theft of constitutional rights by the Supreme Court. Because, you know, that's what the left keeps saying about this particular ruling in the Dobbs versus Jackson. Uh, gee guys I mean uh, here we are again talking about the federal government wasting taxpayer dollars to try to push a leftist agenda in which that if everything went the way it's supposed to would be completely and totally a waste of time as well as those money those dollars just evaporating but you know that's what happens the concern here is what happens if this case doesn't get ruled on the way it should. Something tells me that it is entirely possible that this could make its way to the Supreme Court. And certainly the folks in Idaho should take it there if that's what's necessary. Do not settle for a loss on that issue. Because they do have an exception for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. And I'm sorry, that's really about all the left should be asking for. Up until the first trimester, rape, incest, life of the mother. After that, all bets are off kind of deal is is the way it ought to be based on what they argued for when they first got Roe v. Wade. I mean, that was it. Safe, rare, and legal. That was a battle cry. And that was a battle cry that actually worked. There was enough even reasonably uh, right of center folks that were like, well, you know, I can see we're... Sometimes stuff happens, and but see, that's a terrible argument. Both morally and intellectually, it falls flat. Anybody that buys into that is showing uh, at least a lack of actual critical thinking on the issue. There's a few simple things. Most people in this country are well beyond the idea of punishing someone for the sins of the father kind of deal. The sins of the father mentality, something that we saw quite frequently all the way up until Victorian England, uh, is something that we kind of rebelled against. It's something that in more obvious cases, we can make an argument against. It's something that even leftists typically tend to agree with, especially given their proclivity to, if it feels good, do it, uh, repercussions be damned. Sins of the father, hell, I'm worried about uh, the sins of myself catching up with me. And if you're a leftist, you probably should be. Actually, if you're any of us, you should be to a degree. It's just a uh, leftist tend to have a few more of those sins and a few more repercussions that could come from them. End of the day here, though, what we're really talking about is if you can make that exemption then there's no reason for the federal government to say that there is a potential violation of the law in question. Because guess what? There isn't. This could force doctors to violate federal law. How so? Well, it has to be uh, very narrow. How do you define the life of the mother? If the life of the mother is in danger, then they get to to claim their right to self-defense. That's it. I know the rape and incest thing is a tough situation. I wouldn't want people to be in that position. Uh, But my bigger concern is, how do we stop people from raping young women so that they don't have to worry about that scenario? And presumably the incest would be, hopefully that's an act of rape. I mean, that's feels really weird to say and certainly does, doesn't sound very good in the ear. But, uh, you know, if you're engaging in consensual incest, well, then obviously you didn't have too much of a concern. The whole point here is that the education system's failing because we're failing to properly educate these young folks into the fact of what the repercussions of promiscuous sex may be. And one of those repercussions is pregnancy. If you're out there and you're engaging in promiscuous sex, then you should anticipate the high probability of disease. I'm looking at you, San Francisco. monkeypox, monkeypox. Monkey uh, Biden has announced a monkey pox czar, by the way, in case you missed that headline. Uh, doubt I'll get a chance to talk about it too much, but it seemed like a good place to interject it. So, disease and pregnancy. Not to mention uh, low self-esteem as well. Uh, it will, uh, being overly promiscuous does not make you feel better. Usually, when younger adults, and I'm speaking particularly at the adults right now because If you are underage and engaging in sexual activity, this probably applies to you also. But for the purposes of this conversation, we're going to keep everything uh, very adult oriented. When I say young adults, typically if you're out there having a whole lot of random anonymous sex, you're trying to fill a hole in yourself. And yeah, I probably should have worded that differently. You're trying to fill a void that you feel spiritually, spiritual void. You're trying to fill it with something that will take your mind away from it. And, you know, that's why you also see with a lot of this anonymous, random, promiscuous sex, the the use of alcohol and drugs being involved, too. Because those are also things that people use to try to, to fill those spiritual voids. And at the end of the day, the more you do this stuff that tears down your soul, the more that void is going to expand. And so therefore, again, the more you feel like you need to do the other stuff, you need to find a, a new way to, to escalate it, to get a new high, to to take it to another level so you can just a little bit more for just a, a short period of time feel as if you have conquered the the issue, I guess. Feel like you've found something that's fulfilling, something that's meaningful in your life. Meaningless sex can never be meaningful, and it is very, very difficult to imagine that these folks do not understand that, and yet here we are having to have that conversation. So again, we'll circle back around. What's one of the potential side effects there, besides completely tearing down your self-esteem and completely tearing down your ability to think positively about yourself, well, there's the high risk of pregnancy. You've done a dumb thing. And maybe you really aren't ready to be a parent. Now That may very well be the case. But if that's the situation, you needed to be responsible enough not to engage in the, in this case, high-risk behavior that led you to the circumstance you find yourself in. Oh, no, I'm pregnant. It's completely avoidable. completely Entirely. Uh, unless, unless God's popping down and uh, having a second go around of an immaculate conception, it is completely possible to avoid pregnancy. Granted, there's no contraception that is 100%, but you can double up a couple of highly effective uh, forms of contraception. And have a astronomically low probability of it occurring. So just a little bit of, just a little bit of responsibility on your part. If you're going to engage in such irresponsible behavior, you should at the very least protect yourself. Okay? I mean, that's the very least you can do. Again, sex education fails to get this information into the hands of young people now, which is part of why we see such this ridiculous set of circumstances. But what do we do? (laughs) We see the leftists continue to, well, while we're in charge of the government, we're going to waste all the dollars we can. What them folks out there in Idaho... They think that they're more moral than we are. They think they can pass laws against the things that we want. How dare they intervene in our leftist ideology? How dare they claim that there's a better way? Uh, Let's get them. Okay, that's really not how they talk. That's how I talk around here. Uh, I thought it sounded familiar for some reason. Uh, It's just... What are you going to do? Hopefully, you're going to vote. Vote. If you're a conservative, right now, there are primaries going on in several places. And as we move into those primaries, go vote. Pick the right candidates for your party. And there are a lot of offices in the more local elections that you know, they're not even party affiliated, and some of them are going to be determined in that first round of what is the primary votes. Pick vote. Have your voice be counted. Start picking the right people, the people that are going to understand government is supposed to do certain jobs. And then when it comes to literally anything else that's not specifically in that job set, It's none of their business. That's who you need holding the offices, who understand that very basic concept. I do not particularly like getting behind this microphone and having to lecture young people about the responsibilities if you're going to engage in risky behavior. That's not my job. It was my job for my children. It's not my job to lecture any other young people about it. There are other people who should be giving that lecture. There are lots, lots of very intelligent young people out there who should be able to figure this out for themselves. And yet, they don't. Critical thinking has become a lost art. The ability to reason and rationalize your way through a conversation. Now, the rationalization, that's grade A. Folks are finding ways to rationalize all kinds of stuff. But to actually reason your way through the conversation, reason your way through a topic as you discuss it, actually spend time thinking about both sides of the argument yourself before you decide which side of the argument you're actually on, these are things that just don't happen anymore. People aren't even taught that they can do this, let alone that they should. And so, here we are. Great. Now, all I can say at this point is, let's go, Brandon. And since we're saying let's go, Brandon, what do you say we go ahead and take the mid-hour break just a smidge early? You guys, don't go anywhere. I will be right back. After this very brief break, you're listening to Tap into the Truth.
1: My name's Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. Rise and shine, Sleepy Joe. Now's the time, don't you know, to get into a new country. You can rest your head On the corner of your bed You can watch the world go by But you're never gonna see What the other people see
2: If you're always gonna be The line dog pony soldier More and more young people are suffering severe medical issues Hello, I'm Ron Edwards On today's page from the original book being brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Dr. Robert Lowry, a concussion and neurological expert, has observed a dramatic increase in the number of young adults under the age of 40 with neurological problems ranging from severe headaches, Bills, palsy, or strokes. Dr. Lowry also noted that all of the young patients he's encountered with those medical issues have been vaccinated with the coronavirus vaccines. The doctor referred to a study published in 2021 in the Journal of Clinical Immunology on Vaccine Damage in Mexico. Researchers found that about 1% of people experienced neurological problems after the first dose of the Pfizer experimental vaccine. However, according to Dr. Lowry and others, it is most likely that at the very least well over 10% of young people develop horrible medical conditions after obeying government and media demands to take the jab. This final note, science journalist Jennifer Margolis said that many more severe reactions in neurological and cardiac injuries occur after the second dose. (laughs) I'm... Ron Edwards. Brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Sponsored by the Tri County Liberty Coalition. I'm so tired of trickle down economics. I, I never found that trickle down on top of my head very much. I was listed. I was had the great pleasure of being listed as the poorest man in Congress for 36 years. I still had not making a hell of a lot more money than anybody else because I was getting a senator's salary. No kidding. I didn't think you should make money while you Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup.
0: You're listening to Tap into the Truth. It has all been done before, and it still doesn't seem to stop them from doing it yet again. Thank you so very much for staying with me through that very, brief break. I do want to take just a moment before we get back to the show to remind you that Built offers plenty of good-for-you items, and not just the bars. No, indeed, they have a few other items, and right now, I'm really falling in love with the Built Boost. Uh, They also have the Immune Plus Boost variety, uh, brand new. Uh, Got some great flavors, and I'm really digging the pomegranate green apple. I gotta tell you, it's good. Uh, Apricot pineapple, they uh, tell me is also good. Haven't tried that one yet. They have a classic lemon lime as well. But what it really comes down to is that built is just more built goodness. You've got the Bilt Bar, you got the Bilt Boost, you got Bilt Broth for that matter, which is a collagen protein, all healthy and natural. But this uh, helps boost your immune defense. And, you know, right now, I certainly could use a little uh, boost to the old immune defense. That is for sure. And The uh, real thing to remember here is that um, built is encouraging you to not just take your vitamins, but to enjoy them, so you got the original boost, which did help with uh, your immune system. But uh, they've added the immune plus boost as well, so you got nine uh, flavors in total. Just good stuff, man. I am I'm really digging what Built does now. The link in the show description will take you directly to the Boost page. But while you're there. Feel free to look around, pick out your favorite uh, built bars, Uh, obviously candy bars that they keep saying, protein bars, and I keep saying, no, it's a candy bar. And they keep saying, why can't it be both? And I keep saying, because it tastes too good to be good for you. And then they just laugh. And that's the end of their conversation. Uh, And then they just say, get back to selling it, boy, get back to selling it. (laughs) And so here I am trying to sell it to you. But if you haven't tried it, man, I got to tell you, you need to uh, give the visit. Uh, check out the bars while you're there. And, uh, you know, if you can't make up your mind, uh, they've got a mixed box available, too. And here's what's great. You need to check back frequently, guys. They are constantly rotating in and out new flavors. They are only offering certain flavors, certain number of flavors at a time. You're adding new flavors when something's successful. They'll bring it back Limited time while supplies last kind of deal. It's good stuff. Just just go with it. There's a link in the show description. It will take you to the Boost page. But like I said, once you're there, go wherever you like. Check out everything that Build has to offer. And uh, enjoy. Again, like they said, don't just take your vitamins. Enjoy them. It's good. It's too good. I'm still suspicious. And of course, if you're not listening to the podcast... Just come visit me at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, Into the Truth, all one word, dot com. You'll land on the homepage, scroll down past recent guests, and you'll see banners. You can click on those banners and it'll work just the same. It'll take you to the, to their pages, and then they will still know that I'm the one that sent you. And ultimately, that's all I'm really asking for you. Check out the stuff. See what they've got. You might just find out that you really do love the stuff. And again, we go from that win-win to a win-win-win. They win because they get a great new customer.
1: That's you. Uh,
0: You win because you get some really great products. And then if you use the links I provide, then I win because I get a small little commission for getting the two of you together. So, yay, you get to support the show, too. And that's awesome. And Trust me, in the Biden economy, we all can use all the support we can get. And uh, Bill's looking out for you. So, uh, not a bad place to spend your money if you've got any left to spend. Uh, just saying. All right, let's get back to the show, shall we? We've been kind of leaning into the realm of... The legal system here uh, today, uh, completely unintentional, but it just kind of happens sometimes. Now, there are often times where I will create a theme to the show and go from there because there's enough stuff in the news to do that. Some days, uh, the theme just kind of comes of its own accord. In this particular case, though, we're actually talking about what could be considered a positive. Uh, I'll leave that to you to decide. Uh, Let's get to the story. See, in a ruling that was released this past Friday, a judge struck down the San Francisco City Ordinance allowing non-citizens to vote in school board elections. The ordinance, which allowed non-citizen parents of school aged children to vote in school board elections, was approved back in 2016 and took effect in 2018. And it was extended indefinitely in 2021. The law was challenged by various groups, including the California Public Policy Foundation and the United States Justice Foundation, uh, one of my favorite organizations, by the way. Quoting here from the plaintiffs, the state of California has a long-standing requirement that voters must be United States citizens. This requirement applies to every election in the state, even those conducted by charter cities, because determining voter qualifications is a matter of statewide concern where state law supersedes conflicting charter city ordinances. The court agreed. Uh, Quoting here, Transcendent law of California, the Constitution, reserves the right to vote to the United States citizen, contrary to the San Francisco ordinance. San Francisco Superior Court Judge Richard Ulmer. This was in his ruling uh, that will prohibit the city from counting non-citizen votes. The lawsuit also argued that because the San Francisco Unified School District receives money from state taxpayers, the entire state has an interest in the qualification of its voters, and the city does not have unlimited autonomy to to redefine who's eligible to vote. Now, a similar law in New York City, which would have allowed up to 800,000 non-citizens to vote in city elections, was also struck down back in June. The San Francisco uh, case, um, it's not indicated, the city itself is not indicated, whether or not it plans to appeal the case. I would be surprised if they don't end up appealing it. But regardless if they do or don't, uh, that seems to be pretty well covering the fact that that they don't get to just randomly decide for themselves. You know, when you're taking and spending taxpayer dollars, when you're doing the work, you can make the argument. You can't. You say, well, these parents their children are in our school, and so their children are affected by the policies that are being decided they should have a say in who gets to run the school system too. Now that seems, when you don't think about it too hard and too long, like a reasonable statement to make, right? I mean, uh, well, okay, so they do have skin in the game, but do they really I mean, presumably some of them might. Some of them may actually be paying taxes, even if they're using identity theft to do so under a different name or someone else's social security number. Some of them may have some level of skin in the game, but still, if you're not here legally, what right do you have to have any say whatsoever in the community you choose to live in? You have no legal right to be there, so what gives you a right to have a say in matters? Now, that sounds very harsh, Tim. How? How could you be so... so hateful? How could you be so bigoted? But isn't that really a bigoted position? Establishing qualification for voters is not exactly a new idea. In fact... I've got some ideas that in order to be qualified to vote, you need to be able to demonstrate you have a fundamental understanding of how that vote is going to affect day-to-day life and wherever you're at. There should be some few basic fundamental uh, knowledge that you have in regards to uh, how does the government work, or more to the point, how's the government supposed to work, because really that's kind of where we're at. Does it actually work like it's supposed to? No, the federal government hasn't in a long time. Kind of glad to see the current Supreme Court uh, justices trying to to push us back in the right direction. Uh, kicking and screaming, of course, but it's still the right direction we're going. You should be able to demonstrate. And in fact, I know I, I have some mixed feelings on it, but I can legitimately see an, a, a good argument for saying that you have to be a property owner. If you own property, you're more heavily invested in the community that you're in. You're more heavily invested in being rooted. You are a more productive citizen by definition because you have incentives for things to go well. In your community, in your state, and in the country as a whole. You're more invested. You have more incentive to be concerned about how government is spending your money. You're more likely to pay closer attention to those who are elected to be the stewards of that money. To conduct the business of the people at whatever level of government they may be. School boards included. So I actually more open to to that than I am to having illegals getting to vote, regardless of your argument. Because at the end of every argument, all I have to do is continue to circle around to the fact that they have no legal right to be here in the first place, that they are point of fact criminals. If you are here illegally, you are a criminal because you have failed to follow U.S. immigration law. Now, you may not be a violent criminal. You may, in fact, be a a sympathetic figure. You may be the kind of person that I would feel bad about uh, if I saw your life wherever you came from, that I would want a better life for you, but that I also would want for you, if you're going to come here, to do it the right way. The dirty little secret is, as much money as it might cost you to come here legally, it's still normally cheaper and a lot safer than coming here illegally. I mean, have you seen what it's like to deal with a coyote? Now, the other thing that really stands out in this particular instance is the fact that we have seen a lot of attempts at nullification. Now, for those of you who have heard the term, maybe you don't you know, you maybe have used it in context to get the gist of it, or maybe, again, you're new to politics and and you've not heard Nullification as a honest political uh, terminology. Well, the bottom line is the 10th Amendment allows for nullification of federal actions by the states. The states can simply say, "Ah, you can't make us use our resources to enforce anything. So if there's something that the federal government says, well, this is the law, Uh, let's say... Uh, Using California as an example, as they were one of the first ones. Let's say the state of California wants to legalize marijuana. The federal government still has not done so. So the federal government cannot compel the state of California to utilize its resources for the enforcement of criminal activities to stop the production, transit, and sale of marijuana. They can make requests. They can say, hey, uh, could you please help us with this raid over here? Nope. If you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it on your own. It's nullification. You can't stop the federal government necessarily from doing it, but you don't have to play along. Now, we've seen the left absolutely bad mouth nullification left and right when it comes to something that they want. They get the federal government to go on board and then states say, technically this is a state issue, this is federal overreach, we don't even have to practice nullification, we're just going to ignore you. But even if it's something that the federal government does have some say on, I tend to kind of fall that that's something where nullification shouldn't happen, you should just push to elect new people, presumably uh, help other people in other states to elect new people, so that they can return to something. Yeah, I mean, Immigration being a good example here, I want the federal government that has constitutional authority on immigration to step up and do the right thing and actually enforce the laws that currently exist instead of ignoring half of them. It's not cool for the federal government to engage in nullification of its own laws. That's actually a violation of the Constitution. And even though it's not going to happen, in my mind, there should be criminal, uh, (laughs) should be criminal charges there too. But then we've seen a lot of these leftists create what they like to call sanctuaries. It's just another form of nullification. I, When it comes to certain things, I, I'm on board with nullification. When it comes to other things, I don't like it so much. But is nullification legal on all standpoints? And ultimately, the door is opened in the Constitution itself. The Tenth Amendment opens the door to nullification and... Therefore, as long as it is treated equally, then it's perfectly legitimate, uh, regardless of what you're utilizing this nullification for. But when it comes down to who gets to decide who gets to vote, well, that's not something that a city has the legal authority to engage in nullification. They don't get to set their own rules especially in states where there is very explicit language on what the criteria within the state will be. Now, every argument that was made in this case is a legitimate argument. Statewide taxpayer dollars are used. In fact, quite honestly, I'd say there's probably a large number of federal dollars that makes their way in there, so it's entirely possible that a state like California may have more taxpayer dollars from the state of Tennessee uh, going towards education, then people in Tennessee are getting dollars. It's possible because, you know, California's already spending most of their money. Tennessee, you think, was spending most of theirs. But when it comes to the federal additional fundage that's sent, eh, who do you think's getting more of those dollars? A big state or a little state? I'm going to say my little mid-sized state here of Tennessee deserves a little bit more. But that's only because we're putting in a little bit more than some of the bigger states. Uh, Most red states are contributing more dollars to the federal government. Is this a big victory? I kind of think it is. Uh -uh, Excuse me. I kind of think that this is a bigger deal than what most people are going to play. Now, if the city of San Francisco appeals it, they win, then these groups that have filed this needs to continue to appeal it too. They need to push it because I don't think this is something that can legitimately be allowed to stand when it comes to a honest-to-goodness court with a judge that is operating as a judge is supposed to, meaning on the merit of the law as opposed to personal feelings. Now, you can personally feel like the argument that they live in the community, they're killed they're going the school, you can feel like that's legitimate grounds to give them a vote. I personally think you're wrong, and legally, you clearly are wrong. The law is pretty straightforward in the state of California. And in fact, in most states. There's very little room for ambiguity, and that's why some of these sanctuary locations have found themselves smacked down with these ordinances. Well, we want to allow them to participate like they're Regular citizens, well, you know, then find a way to get them, uh, get their legal status changed. You know, find a way that you can legally do that. Don't just ignore the law. Don't just pretend like, hey, it's okay, we just come here. When you, when you make those kinds of behavioral decisions, then you're encouraging the bad behavior. And yet you still scratch your head and wonder why things are getting worse in your city. Yeah. Well heaven forbid you should be able to figure that out. It's it's a mystery. It's a mystery wrapped inside a puzzle, inside of a an enigma, inside of a little Chinese puzzle box, inside of a jack in the box, inside of a locker inside of a gigantic tanker boat that sank on the bottom of the Atlantic o- OK, so I got a little carried away. Ultimately, the fact that there's a judge that's willing to tell the people of San Francisco, we should still follow the law, even here. That's a big deal. It's a good thing. And I personally, when I can find a story in the state of California where something good happens like that, on the political side of things, that's one that we should spend more time talking about, not less. Uh, Anybody listening in the state of California, I'm sure you can tell me a a ton of stories. You get a lot of great stories of good things happening that involve individual people out there, because there's a lot of great people in California. But for the government to get something right, regardless of which branch, that's a lot harder to find. This is one of those cases that's good. I'm I'm digging it. See, we've got a uh, little over 10 minutes left. Let's dive in. I teased this a little bit. I said I didn't think it'd get to it. Let's talk a little. We're already in San Francisco. So this is something that will affect San Francisco. On Tuesday, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., a.k.a. Barely There Beijing Biden, appointed a National Monkey Pox Response Coordinator to address the growing outbreak, which, has infected roughly 5,800 Americans at this point, and uh, more than 23,000 people worldwide. The White House has tapped Robert Fenton, a regional manager for the Federal Emergency Management Agency and former acting head of the agency, to lead the government's response. I get a little concerned about the government's response. At any rate... Bob's experience in federal and regional response coordination uh, and the vast knowledge of those who will be working with him, of our public health system's strengths and limits, will be instrumental as we work to stay ahead of the virus and advance a whole of government response. This, of course, coming from Xavier Bastera, Secretary of Health and Human Services who my most recent op-ed that I uh, put out on the realm of the political uh, was targeting his efforts and his planning to break the law, by the way. Which you can find on Conservative Daily Briefing, and you can also find a BizPack review, oddly enough. They tweaked the title a little bit because they thought my grammar wasn't so good. Uh, (laughs) Now, I don't have to worry about... That over conservative daily briefing, they, they print it. And uh, if they don't feel like they can uh, put up what I've written, they say, hey, edit your own stuff. <laughs> Here's what you need to do. Uh, Ken, Ken's pretty good about that. He's like, uh, I think you messed up here, partner. You might want to rewrite that part before we put it up. <laughs> he figures if I wrote the article, I should be the one to, to fix it. And, and I'm good with that, actually. At any rate, uh, so here we are, Sarah, making the statement. The announcement, of course, comes just days after California, Illinois, and New York declared a state of emergency as the virus continues to spread. As of August 2nd, nearly half of all cases were reported in those three states. However... Infections have been recorded at this point in forty eight different states. It's just that the overwhelming majority are in those three. In particular, San Francisco, New York City. They have been uh, the epicenters, as both cities have declared their own state of emergency. New York City Eric Mayor uh, Eric Mayor <laughs> New York City Mayor Eric Adams. Uh, hello, Eric Mayor. Uh, this weird title. Anyway, uh, Eric Adams has suggested that up to 150,000 New Yorkers could be at risk for infection. I think he's grossly overestimating the men who have sex with men population within the city. Uh, anyway, he said that quote This outbreak must be met with urgency, action, and resources, both nationally and globally." And this declaration of a public health emergency reflects the seriousness of the moment. <sighs> Monkeypox is in the same viral family as smallpox. It has historically been endemic to West Africa. It causes painful invisible rashes and lesions along with fevers, aches, chills, swollen lymph nodes, it's got roughly a three to six percent mortality rate depending on uh, the individual outbreak. The recent outbreak spread across at least 80 countries though, which is very different than the norm. that spread predominantly through bodily fluids and close physical contact. The outbreak is disproportionately affecting gay men. And a study in California found that 91.7% of cases in that state are of gay, lesbian, or same-gender loving people. Uh, That, of course, is a category for folks that are the same gender, even if they're not certain what that gender may be at any given moment. So, I guess, gender fluid that has found a partner that's... (laughs) fluidly changing at the same rate. I I don't understand the need for all of these different distinctions, quite honestly. Still, about 98.3% of all the infections are men that fall into this category. So what does this really mean? Well, that means obviously it's understandable why San Francisco and New York City are epicenters for this outbreak. They have the most vocal, most vibrant, and most anonymous bathhouse orgy participating gay populations anywhere in the country. And it does take a high level of anonymous, gratuitous, promiscuous gay sex in order for this to spread the way that it has been. To pretend otherwise is, well, it's disingenuous at best, and I'll diplomatically leave it at that. You need to be able to call out risky behavior for what it is, right? To say that, hey, uh, you're a gay man, you might get monkeypox. It sounds insensitive, But if this isn't a promiscuous gay man who isn't having multiple partners, several of which they may not know, then that gay man's not at a particular risk, so their risk is much lower. So it's not just the fact that you're gay. It's not a gay disease. It's a behavioral disease. You're engaging in a risky behavior, and you're paying that price. Where did we hear that earlier? Seems like that was a topic we broached not that long ago. Perhaps even earlier in this broadcast. Look, we're, for political purposes, in the, in the name of political correctness, in the name of sensitivity, we're not even supposed to say that much about it. But how can you honestly help protect people from monkeypox or any other disease that might act in the same fashion as monkeypox if you can't at least share that much of the information and treat it like? You are the folks that are at greatest risk. It would be like looking back at COVID and saying, well, it's going to evenly, equally affect all these people. So, you know, let's all be scared. But we're not going to take any special measures to protect uh our more seasoned citizens, uh, our older population. We're not going to take any steps to protect uh, the folks with uh one or more comorbidities like obesity, or diabetes. No, it can get anybody. There's no reason why you should be any more concerned than anyone else. If we can't have those conversations, then we can't protect the people who need to be protected the most. But then sometimes it kind of feels like, for the left, as far as they're concerned, that might actually be the point gonna have to leave it there guys thank you so much for staying to the end as always i greatly appreciate it uh reminder again that uh aj rice's book the woking dead it is out there it is number one on amazon's new release uh list right now uh go if you haven't already buy several copies give them away to your friends your neighbors uh anybody you think needs to read it and uh Let's help move AJ's book from number one on new releases to number one in politics. That's the next goal. I want to make it number one overall. I think Amazon would probably not acknowledge it if it got there, although it's hard for them to hide it the way their metrics work. Anyway, that's it for today. Thank you so much. And as always, remember, do not take my word for it. Don't take their word for it either. Be prepared to put in some effort. And most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. And uh hey Joe. This is Tim Tap.